one of their challenges is to get good at giving feedback so that they can help to build their team and to be able to really help their team receive it graciously and to be able to receive it gratefully. There's an art in giving it and there's also an art in receiving it. One of the ways that leaders can actually do this is also role model how they are receiving feedback themselves to regularly ask feedback for their team. So they're demonstrating, hey, how was I at that meeting last week? I was really rushed. I came in from another meeting. I'm not sure how I came across. Hello, this is Darren Fox. I'm your host for this Fast Leader podcast. And today we are talking about building self-awareness in you and in your teams. In the Fast Leader program, we spend quite a bit of time discussing how to increase self-awareness amongst the program participants. Today, we're going to be talking about how leaders may help the people in their own team develop their own improved self-awareness. But firstly, I want to talk about why is self-awareness important for everyone, whether you're a people leader or not. Joining me today are two guests. Firstly, we have Alison Jardy from the Leadership Evolution, and we also have Natasha Farchi from the Alchemy Collective. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Darren. Great to be here. Let's just start off with the question I posed in the introduction is why is self-awareness important for everyone, whether you're a people leader or not? So, Alison? Thanks, Darren. I think self-awareness is really the first step to change. So I think all behavioral change starts with that level of self-awareness. So the first thing you need to do is actually become aware of how you might respond to a situation or how you might uh, approach certain things. And when you have that level of awareness, it actually creates an opportunity for choice. So at that point where you might be, say, in a situation where you think, okay, normally, you know, I would get angry in this situation. I feel frustrated. If that happens, then if you've got some self-awareness about your own kind of emotional response or emotional state to that, you've created an opening and an opportunity to, to make a choice. And that choice might be, hmm, how could I behave differently in this situation? So I think it's really that cornerstone to being able to really adapt some emotional intelligence. Great. I do really like the idea of self-awareness leading to choice in the sense of I can choose how I react to a particular situation rather than the situation deciding for me. Great thought. Natasha? Look, I think Alison's provided a really great summary there. And so for me, what I, what I talk about when I'm coaching with the participants is being able to respond rather than react. The other piece there, the other advantage around just your self-awareness is that when you build self-awareness, you also start to create an awareness of others. And so you start to move into perceiving, understanding others differently. You start to understand how they feel valued, how they want to be listened to, how they want to be understood. And so it actually starts to really stretch you out into being empathetic, anticipating responses, and then again, as Alison said, adjusting your behaviour accordingly. So it benefits not only you, but also those around you. Mm. So that idea of doing that deep inner work and reflection, realising that you're a complex human being, helps you realise that other people are just as complex as you are, and certainly not black and white. 100%. Yep. Might ask both of you, within your coaching practices, what sort of steps or advice do you offer a first-time people leader? to help them develop greater self-awareness amongst the individuals in their team. So uh, Natasha, this time I might start with you. Yeah, sure. I think what's great about self-awareness is it can actually be developed. It just takes time and intentionality to make it happen. You've got to do the work. And I think 
what I do with my clients and leaders is I ask them to do a couple of things. So one is to actually look at their beliefs, their values, their drivers, any emotional triggers, their strengths, as well as any development opportunities they see are playing out in their world and assess them for themselves, do a self-assessment and then try to look at the impact. What's the ripple effect of that on others? Then I think the key part here, and this is the gold, is asking others for feedback. You can do that more formally through 360s. You can also do a formal assessment. The power of this is really understanding how others see you. So your perspective is different. They can give a really good insight into perhaps some strengths that you may not have been aware of, especially if you're someone who discounts yourself a lot. Alternatively, they may also give you some insights of where perhaps there might be some other areas for improvement. And the key for me with this work is it's just feedback. It's not saying something's wrong with you. It's just feedback. Yeah, exactly. And Alison, what are some of your key uh, hints and tips that you provide? Yeah, absolutely. I think Tash has absolutely hit the nail on the head with the feedback. So for the leader to be able to do that effectively for their team, they've got to frame it in their own mind that they're giving feedback as a gift. So the gift of feedback, they need to make it regular and they need to really normalise it. So sometimes it's really hard for leaders to actually give that feedback. But if you think about it in the frame, well, they've got to raise the awareness of others. One of their challenges is to get good at giving feedback so that they can help uh, to build their team and to be able to really help their team receive it graciously and to be able to receive it gratefully. There's an art in giving it and there's also an art in receiving it. One of the ways that leaders can actually do this is also role model how they are receiving feedback themselves. So to regularly ask feedback for their team. So they're demonstrating, hey, how was I at that meeting last week? I was really rushed. I came in from another meeting. I'm not sure how I came across. Or when I had this situation, I would like love to hear how you thought I handled that. I had a few uncertainties about my own approach. So that they're actually role modelling how they would like to receive feedback and the request for feedback so that we normalise it, so that in teams we can show that people are open to having their blind spots uncovered a little and doing that in a very gracious and grateful way. That is gold. You know, having a leader go there first and set the example is such a powerful way to lead, isn't it? That's right. And it's really through that demonstration that others will learn because we know that all eyes are on the leader and the the leader has what we call a leadership shadow. So what they do, people look at and they're kind of casting their shadow and that leadership shadow is so powerful in that role modelling and demonstration. So if their expectation is to build self-awareness among others, then one powerful step they can take is to do that for themselves. It's really good advice. Is there any sort of thoughts in terms of how does a manager know that he or she's actually getting honest feedback? I think that's a beautiful question. Look, for me, how can they test it? Often, you know, when I've received feedback and I stop to reflect on it is, do I have some sort of reaction within my body? A sense of knowing of, yeah, that makes sense or, oh, that's a bit intriguing. And then if it's a bit intriguing, then asking some really good qualifying questions around, well, Have you got some specific examples of that? More so that you can draw your attention to it and put yourself back in that scenario again to actually understand what 
that person is gifting you. I think there's power in that. So then you can understand the situation. And for me, it's really about understanding the situation that relates to that feedback. And even more so, what's the impact of that on either the individual that, it, that was witness to it or experienced it or heard about it? And what is something they want different as a result moving forward so that I can understand how I need to modify myself or perhaps continue doing what I'm doing well? Because it could be constructive feedback or even positive reaffirming feedback. That's great, Tash. I might just build on it with just one reflection, which is sometimes you need to go back to the foundation of what the relationship is at the beginning. How do I feel the trust is between myself and whomever that I'm either giving or receiving feedback? Because one thing we do know is that if we don't have that element of foundational trust, feedback will not land, like it will be on deaf ears, if you like. So it's really important for any leader when they're working with their teams to build that foundation of trust so these conversations become more authentic and, in fact, we can both hear our feedback to each other. Okay. What do both of you see as the potential benefits if a manager is able to lift the self-awareness of the individuals within the team? Natasha? I think this is where the power of this work comes in, right? Because when you understand your own emotions and the effect it has on others, in particular your team and even more broadly, then you can start to play to each other's strengths and you can also then support each other around your development areas. And so the power of leverage, because you can't do everything yourself. So the power of leveraging each other's strengths and supporting each other's development areas is really, really powerful and helps to continue to build that trust that Alison had mentioned earlier. Alison, I'm keen to hear what you've got to add. Yeah, absolutely. So that self-awareness and being able to acknowledge each other's strengths and work with those is going to be one of the foundations for the high-performing teams. I think the, the thing, though, that really tests a team is when things go wrong. So when there's good self-awareness and when you've got a team that are self-aware and something has gone wrong, that ability to speak openly about it, to give each other feedback about it, to do some coaching, self-coaching, to share insights, those things won't be there in a team with low self-awareness. So that would really be a very important thing about building that self-awareness as a whole team, not only when things are going well and we're building off and working off each other's strengths, but when things have gone wrong, how do we debrief it? How do we unpack it? How do we build that open communication and ultimately move on towards high performance? And to add to that, Alison, I, I think that's another piece of gold that you've shared there. And that's the power of the system, right? If the system is able to, in that team, of, as a high-performing team, be so self-aware and have that much trust and build confidence and they become high-performing, then they become self-managing, and so it actually also helps the leader lead in a very different way as well. And it stretches a leader out of their comfort zone into a different type of leadership. It really has a positive impact on the whole system, really, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That brings us to the end of the first part of our podcast. After a quick break, we're going to be shifting the conversation away from individual self-awareness and talking more about building team self-awareness. <laughs> Are you a frontline leader ready for your next step? Fast Lead Plus is a program of short, sharp, small group coaching sessions to prepare you to take that next step. 
in a small, tight-knit group, you're coached by an experienced leadership mentor with plenty of time between sessions to practice new skills and tools. Improve your leadership capability and confidence. Learn more at fastly.com. Welcome back to part two of this Fast Lead podcast around self-awareness. So far, we've talked about how a leader might develop increased self-awareness among the team members, but what about self-awareness as a team? Any group of people, like a team, is more than a sum of its parts and can often have its own unique personality that emerges from the group as group. So how might a manager help the team develop self-awareness as a team about how that team responds to pressures, opportunities, or interacts with other teams. Alison, what do you think? Yeah, sounds good. I'm thinking that it's very important first that there is some sort of social connection in the team. So it's always fun to do any kind of team building uh, idea that people might have. So you might even do something quite social like cooking classes, bowling, dinner out, you know, anything that builds up some basic relationship building. The real key to this, though, I think, is that the team starts being really good at doing debriefs and, you know, if you really want to take it to the next level is to get your team around after a meeting or at the end of a project and actually have a conversation where the team discusses what they do well, what they could do better and how their communication is as a team. So they're sort of almost unpacking how they as a whole team are operating. Okay. And here's a hot tip, if you like, to really lift the opportunity to do that is to bring a stakeholder or a customer into a team meeting and invite them to give the team feedback. Are they happy with how they're interacting with the team, the level of service they're receiving, for example, or how their information flow is coming from that team? So I think that would be some really great tools to help get some self-insight there. So a combination of doing that relationship building but then getting feedback from outside the team as well and doing their own team debriefs to really kind of build that self-awareness about how they're being seen as a team and how they're operating as a team. Great idea, killing uh, two birds with one stone, stakeholder engagement and building team self-awareness. What about you, uh, Natasha? Yeah, it's really about the team doing really great debriefs and getting exposure to actually giving that feedback, both positive and constructive, getting comfortable with it and stretching that muscle And I think their stakeholder insights are really, really powerful. So sometimes we'll bring them into our team meetings or sometimes when we had the off-sites, like especially when you're having strategy days and planning days, bring in a selection of your stakeholders. They might be peers. They might be clients. They might be, you know, if you're working in a business that has manufacturing and sales and often there's always that healthy tension, is bringing both of those in to understand all those nuances and the challenges going on between them as well. And then how could you actually help with that? Really, really insightful. And I think something else that I have used, if you want to move into more formal aspects, is when you start doing some diagnostics or self-assessments, is when you do them as a team, you each have your own individual analysis, and then you can actually start to see how the team are playing together and where there might be some opportunities to leverage or perhaps what are we missing and how can we stretch into that space? Yeah, that's a good segue into another question. Have you come across formal assessment tools that are out there, freely available tools that are online, or even an activity that managers can do to go through that assessment 
as a team and get some sort of picture of what the team's personality, for lack of a, a better term, is. Natasha, maybe we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, look, there are a couple, and there are some that are freely available and some that may cost a little bit, some may cost a little bit more. One that um, I've recently come across and had some exposure to is actually positive intelligence. It is free. It talks about um, your mental fitness and looking at your mental muscles around what are your positive versus negative kind of things that play out. So are you someone that judges a lot? Do you judge yourself a lot? Do you judge others? And how does that play out? How can you switch that around to being far more productive and helpful? Yeah. So again, it's not about saying anything is bad or good. It's just about they've gotten you to a point, but are they now helpful moving forward with what you want to play and do? So I use that a lot now. I also use DISC. And I know that we use DISC with HFL and it's just a beautiful tool that's really, really simple and easy to understand. And I've got plenty more, but Alison, I'm really keen to understand what you've used. Mm. Yeah, Tash, I'm, I'm a DISC fan as well. Again, I've got many accreditations, but I do like the DISC for this particular purpose. Admittedly, it's not free. And sometimes I can be a little sceptical of some of the free tools, only because maybe having some background as a psychologist, I like to have used tools that have some validity and not just, you know, star signs. However, if your team has discovered something that's really fun, that gets them talking and sharing, then that's great. So styles, anything that opens up team conversation about different styles, about different approaches, how they might go about things and gives them some insight to trigger off the discussion, in some ways that's more important than the tool itself. So whilst I do love to use a a tool, the following up conversation is the most important part of the process. Yeah. Mm, It's a very good point. I mean, the fact that you've got a tool that might be DISC or it might be another one, it gives you a framework to have the conversation on neutral ground. It's no judgment about what's types better, what's wrong, what's right, but we've got a neutral framework here to discuss differences. And those differences um, are the things that can help people raise awareness. And that's what we're talking about today, really, is how do we build that self-awareness? Thanks again to you both, Natasha and Alison. We're going to now move into the final section Stay with us, everybody, because now I'm going to ask both our guests to share a personal story about their own self-awareness. Experts and technical specialists have never been more important or in demand, but that's not reflected in the leadership training they're given. Unlock the business potential of experts with Expertship. HFL's new development program for the individual contributors, technical specialists, and other experts in your organization. If innovation and business agility are important to you, learn more at expertunity.global. Welcome back to the third and final part of the Faceted podcast. We often like to finish the last section of the podcast with some personal reflection or story. I'm hoping that both of you might be willing to share a situation or event which led to a significant new heightened level of self-awareness. So what was that situation and what was your learning and what was the outcome? Three questions there. Alison, can I turn to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think early in my career, it was one of my very first, it was probably my absolute first opportunity in a leadership role. And at that stage there, I was put in an acting position. So some of our listeners might know what that's like. You're acting in the role. 
So at that stage, I thought, well, I'm not quite sure. Am I keeping the seat warm? Am I meant to jump in and actually do anything? What do you do as an actor? And I thought, well, I can't make too many decisions for fear that if the incumbent returns, they might not be too impressed with me. So <laughs> I was really kind of very tentative in that. So as of my first leadership role, I was only acting. So when I'm just doing anything, I'm not doing it very fully. So I had a, an experienced leader kind of take me under their wing, give me a little bit of mentoring and gave me some feedback to say, look, Alison, you're in the role. You have been trusted to do this job. You've been trusted to get in there and do it. So get in there and do it. You've got the authority in your role to make these decisions and make these changes. And it was just an enormous relief for me, I guess. And that feedback, it was an observation about my behaviour around how I'd been hesitant around a few decisions. And I realised then I'd been holding back and really not fully stepping into that role. And that conversation really gave me some permission and released me to jump in and, you know, forget about the just acting, but more like the just do it mentality. So I found that a great experience. And for me, going back to my very first comment around feedback is a gift, that feedback was a gift for me. A yeah, great story and a fairly common one in terms of people moving into an acting role and feel like they're there just to act or caretake the role rather than make it their own. Natasha, what's your story? Yeah, look, I had a story and I was listening to Alison's. I thought, actually, you know what? There's another one that came to mind as Alison was sharing. And it really comes back to something we as coaches with HFL share with the first module, which is about the leadership pipeline. When you move from being a leader of yourself, an individual contributor, and move into a leadership role, what's required of you is really different. And in my very first opportunity, I thought I had to do it all still. You had to do every single piece of work and lead the team. And you sat there thinking, how am I going to fit everything into my day? And how can I be the best there for everybody? And there was a lot of doing and a bit like Alison, some beautiful, kind soul. I would call him a wise sage. I'd call him a mentor. Pulled me aside and said, I can see you're doing everything you can to be the best leader possible. Take a step back and delegate and allow the team to step up and shine. And it's not because I didn't believe in them and trust them. They were brilliant at what they did. I just thought that's what I had to do. And I had forgotten or perhaps hadn't even really been shown that I needed to let go of something so I could pick up the leadership piece and then just be there for my team, listen to them, understand their needs, what do they want from me? And all their needs were obviously different because they're all individuals. And it was a beautiful gift because that then served me later on. And particularly when in one of my last gigs, when I was in corporate, I had a vacancy in my team. It was a massive change project and I needed to jump in. And so it was a conscious choice to jump in because I needed hands on deck and I had to wear two hats on the project and in the project. And then I had to consciously learn to step back and allow the space once that critical moment had passed and they no longer needed my support to step back out of it again. And when I reflect, it was those wise words in my first leadership role around, you have to let go of something when you step into leadership in order to pick up what's required of you now as a leader of others. And again, you have to do it differently again when you move into being a leader of leaders. There's real value and benefit when you 
have someone who steps out of their role and can see you trying your absolute best when they take you for a coffee and and share either a story from their personal experience or offer a piece of advice or a gift definitely take it it's really really powerful because it can really start to shape the leader that you are and the leader that you can be Great story, Natasha. Thank you. Both the stories that you provided are going to be quite relevant to our listeners because it is targeted towards first-time people leaders. So thank you to you both. Before we uh, sign off, I'm hoping that both of you might be able to tell us about your organization and what you do for your clients. Alison, tell us about Leadership Evolution. Thanks, Darren. I'm a Brisbane-based psychologist. I specialise in leadership development and coaching, and my specialty in particular is working with organisations to develop leadership programs to support cultural change. So, for example, I'm working with a a large organisation at the moment that's undergoing a massive transformational change to its operating model. In fact, the way it delivers services is just completely shifting. I'm supporting that transformation with a series of coaching and leadership programs over a longitudinal kind of period. And My focus really is embedding behavioural change. It's the only way for change to be sustainable over time. Been doing this kind of work for 20 years and I love it. Very passionate about empowering leaders and creating great in work environments because I think we spend 70% of our time at work. So if our leaders are doing the right things and building up great teams and great environments for people to work in, then our society will be thriving. What about Alchemy Collective, Natasha? Yeah, thanks. So Alchemy Collective is also a consulting company. We're Melbourne-based and we also focus on individual leaders and teams in unleashing their potential. And our focus is predominantly leadership development, transformational coaching and enabling organisations to adapt and thrive through change. And we predominantly look at the underlying mindsets, the culture and the strategy that can actually support that goal. And like Alison, I've been in this field for, what, 25 years now, 23 of those were in a lot of international and national organisations and companies across multiple industries in commercial HR roles, partnering with the C-suite. Like Alison, you've really got to make it an embedded change and you've really got to actually look at the changing of the behaviours and the mindset. So it's not about doing it to people, it's doing it with people. And it sounds like Alison and I will have to talk offline and <laughs> that would be awesome. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much to you both. That brings us to the end of our podcast. And as per usual, anytime one of our guests mention a piece of research or an online tool like they did today, all of that will be listed off on our website. And once again, thank you much to Alison. Thanks, Darren. It's great to be here. And Natasha. Darren, it's been a great opportunity. Thanks for having us. And our sound engineer, Elena. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Fast Leader Podcast. I'm Darren Fox, Chief Research Officer and Principal Consultant at HFL. You can email us at info with any questions. We'd love to hear ideas about topics for future podcasts. You can also check out the FastLead website, fastlead.com, for supporting material from this podcast. Watch out for our future podcasts as we explore each of the 14 FastLead topics in more detail and discuss some of the latest management research, news, and topical issues of the day. And until next time, this has been the FastLeader Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.